announcements. We have an exciting evening planned. Uh, this Sunday, we have our first day of the, the middle school breakout session. It's entitled Bridge, to be a bridge between children's ministry and youth ministry. And this is uh, for ages 11 to 14. So on Sunday, just remember, there'll be a slide that goes up, and then you will be dismissed at the same time as Rock Church to head downstairs. Uh, next Wednesday, everyone, you'll want to hear this. Sometimes I know we're tuned out for the announcements. This is one you'll want to hear. Typically, the first Wednesday of every month is full church prayer. However, there is an international evangelist that's going to be doing a conference for Brother Huckabee in Blue Springs, and he is traveling from one place to the next, and he's in town early. Uh, it's evangelist uh, Brother David Smith, and he is going to be in our area early, so he had an opening, and I heard about it. So I said, well, why don't we just go ahead and bump our full church prayer back one week. So it's not going to be the 6th. It's going to be the 13th, his full church prayer. And next Wednesday is going to be Brother David Smith is going to be here. One of the things about Brother Smith is he speaks, preaches, lives faith. And so if you or anybody, I know we don't think sometimes Wednesday like guests. No, get a guest here, okay? Because if you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit of God Almighty, this will be an incredible and beautiful time for you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And this is uh, everywhere he goes, just people, uh, it's, a, it's a gift that God has given him. And, uh, and so we want to bring guests, come expecting. And so that's next Wednesday. It's going to be great. So uh, next Wednesday, we, uh, the, the, the children will still go down for a Rock Academy. They'll still have their sessions next week. But the youth are going to stay up for next Wednesday uh, because you'll want to be a part of this service. And Pastor Chad and I chatted, and that's what we thought would be a great place for you all. And so invite a guest. Now, a couple things before I get out of the way. All church retreat is coming up. That is Friday, October 20th to Sunday, October 22nd. There is no service on this campus that weekend. It is held at the place uh, just a couple hours away. This is all church retreat, meaning it's for everybody, everyone, men, women, and children, young and old, single, married, divorced. It's, it's for everybody, okay? Don't look and think, well, it's not for me. No, it is for everyone. Say everyone. And if you didn't say everyone, you might not be coming. We'll pray for you that you change your mind. Um, and so it's at Cross Point Camp and Retreat Center. It's a great time. We have uh, just an open gym and dinner on Friday. Saturday, there's a lakeside devotional. There's a fireside chat and acoustic worship. We have a gym that we rent out. There's a service on Sunday before we leave. There's going to be meals. The registration, the, pay, the price you pay covers not only your registration, your hotel, uh, all the food, the meals, snacks, drinks, everything. We have it covered. And so, uh, but here's the thing. Two important deadlines. Everybody still listening? Deadline number one, Sunday, September 17th, is the last day to register. Look at somebody and say, Sunday, September 17th. That is just a couple weeks from today. It's the last day to register because we have to get the final head count Final head count to the location. Date number two, 
Wednesday, October 18th. Say Wednesday, October 18th. Is the last day to complete full payment. So if you're here and you're going, I wish I could go. I just can't really afford it. Talk to me. We'll figure something out. We don't want you to go because you can't afford it, all right? But I can't afford to pay for everybody. But, but here's the thing. If you're here, you can, many of you have been on a payment plan, paying a little by little. I do not want our office manager, Sister Chester, to get to the retreat center and have to run around trying to collect money from people. So if you don't pay in full by October 18th, we cannot let you go. Well, you can go, <laughs> but we can't give you a hotel room and give you a key. <laughs> you can come for a service if you'd like. But um, so those two dates. Move the mission. There's still time to give. This Sunday we're gonna, is going to be our deadline, so you can give through Sunday. We'll send out our offering next week. I know we didn't have the video, was, wasn't able to uh, be shown on Sunday. We're going to shoot to do that this Sunday, show you the video. But Move the Mission goes to great things, including planting new churches. It goes to Global Missions Vehicles, uh, Bible Quizzing, Tupelo Children's Mansion. Great, great things. Not a dollar stays in in. in our own facility. We send it all off. Uh, we're a couple thousand dollars away from a record offering. I know our youth pastoral team would love to hit that offering. Amen. And then tonight we have a special speaker. Who just, just so happens that he just completed his stewardship campaign pledge. I told him, I said, if you want to preach on Wednesday, you better complete your campaign plan. No, I'm kidding. I did totally did not say that, but I figured I'd go ahead and say that because you know why? To me, when some, it's easy to pledge something. Anybody can pledge something. It's another thing to complete it. And to me, that says something about someone and the speaker that we're getting ready to bring up. This ties in because this is the way he lives his life at a young age. He's going to vow a vow, and he's going to complete the vow. He's going to do what God has called him to do, and he's going to do it with faithfulness and consistency. I have a ton of respect for Brother Luke Foster. And so uh, he's going to, I asked him a while back to speak to us. Now, this is the first time that he's speaking a full-length message in this service. He's preached several times in youth, the first time up here. But I want you to understand something so clearly tonight. This is not me pinching the young guy's cheek, give him a shot to get up in the pulpit. This is a man of God. This is a man of God who lives as a man of God, walks in his anointing already, and God has great things planned for him. And here's one of the, the main reasons that, that I asked him to speak, is me included. I don't think anyone has brought more people to this church over the last several years than Luke Foster. And so, I purposely, this is hard for me, I love, I don't get to, to address the children and the youth very much on Wednesdays, and, I, and so it's hard for me to hand this pulpit over on a Wednesday night, family Wednesday, but here's why I purposely chose this. 
Because we can go ahead and say, oh, well, that's his walk of life, his friends, he's in school, he does this, he works there. We can come up with all the excuses we want, but I think what we need to do is God open our hearts because I want him to say, why is this important? How do I approach people? What are some of the methods I use? And, and, and just to invest something to where we, all of us, children in elementary school, middle school, junior high, senior high, going to college, professionals, working a career, we can all receive something from the man of God tonight who Who's going to say, this is why I live the way I live. This is how I do it. And we can go, Lord, help me to go make disciples in the same manner. And so, you know what? Just like we do every other minister, let's stand to our feet for the man of God who's going to come up here and bring the word of God to us tonight. Thank you. You can be seated. I'm very humbled to be here. I appreciate all the kind words and the opportunity. I really do. It means a lot to be able to stand before you guys and share what, share what God's laid on my heart. Amen. Uh, before we get into this, uh, let's just take a moment to pray, just for God to open our hearts, that, that we, we know that his word is anointed, but we pray that whatever, whatever he's laid on my heart, that it would come through without any distraction today and that it, would be, that it would be received by us. Let's just pray that right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, Lord, I pray that your word would come through boldly in the name of Jesus. Lord, that your spirit would, under, would fall on every single person in this place, God, that there would be understanding, God, that there would be anointing, God, that flows throughout this place, that the spirit of unity would be here, Jesus. Lord, that wisdom, God, would fall in this place. God, that you would help us to be good soil, God, for your word to fall on. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, last week uh, on Wednesday, we started off with a little bit of Simon Says, and so this isn't going to be as, a, as, as fun of an interaction, but I still would like to do a little bit of interaction. I just, wanna, I just want you all to just shout out some numbers. What do you think percentage-wise, percentage-wise, the amount of Americans that attend a church regularly? 43, 12, 16, 30, 33. 20, 26 was the closest I heard. So 27% of Americans qualify as regular churchgoers, according to uh, the 2022 General Social Survey, with the definition of a church attendee as being one who attends church regularly more than once during the month. This means that over 243 million people in the United States are not currently attending church regularly. Keep in mind that this is not just people who attend any kind of, or this, this, is, this number includes people that attend any kind of church, not just a truth-believing church. That number is even smaller. If you all could put up the UPCI statistics if you have those. This was from a report back in uh, October of 2022. Over that last year, we had 611,000 attendees estimated in the North American district in 2022. 55,000 received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Uh, 55,000, sorry, 65,000 baptized in the name of Jesus. Just under 100,000 Bible studies taught and almost 300,000 first-time guests. And I think we should give glory to God for that. I think that's amazing. It's amazing. And while I thank God... For the souls that have been reached, for the word that has been implanted in people's lives, it simply is not nearly 
not nearly enough. To put it into perspective, the population, now keep in mind, these statistics are the entire North American region. The population of the Kansas City metro area alone is over 2 million people. In the entire North American region of the UPCI, we had an estimated less than 300,000 first guests. Of course, this doesn't include other oneness organizations, but the UPC is the largest numerically with five and a half million members worldwide. I would like to take us to our text today, and it's um, a text that, 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 that's probably often uh, used many times when talking about a sermon like this, but I think it really is uh, the, the, best, the best verse, the best set of verses that we do have, and it's from Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, known as the Great Commission. It says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the, Holy, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, is the name of Jesus. That one was for free, though. Uh, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Tonight, I would like to speak to you on the simple topic of obeying the Great Commission. You see, the Great Commission is not a suggestion from Jesus. It is a command. It's for extroverts and for introverts. We don't get a free pass to not talk about the Lord just because talking to people may not be our most favorite thing in the world. You see, we are not fulfilling God's will based on this verse, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, if we are not discipling someone. If Jesus ordered us to make disciples, us as Christians to reach disciples, to reach the whole world, why do we as truth believers make up such a small portion of not only the general population, but the Christian population? You see, it's easier said than done, and this is going to be the main point of this sermon here, but we simply have to go out and get the job done. It's, it's, it's simple in theory, but it's, it, it is also easier said than done, admittedly. You see, we always talk about worshiping, whether we feel like it or not, which I think is great. And worshiping is a command, and we understand that because we have a worship ministry. We make it a vital part of our service. But you see, reaching people is also a command. We should worship people whether we feel like it or not, and we should make disciples whether we feel like it or not. Amen. Pastor Chad recently shared a message where he referenced the verse about a conversation between Peter and Jesus. Jesus asked Peter if he loved him, and then Peter replied that he, of course, did. And when he did, Jesus told him to feed his sheep. That means if we truly love Jesus, we have to show it by reaching out to and discipling those around us. This is not an option. It is not a choice. Just as we were created to praise God, we were created to make disciples. One thing that we've got to do is realize that every single soul is a soul that Jesus Christ, God himself in the flesh, died for. It doesn't matter if somebody is black or white, tall or short, has special needs, whatever it may be. Jesus loves every single person. And you can take my word for it there, but I also got scripture to prove it. This is from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. And it happened when he was in a certain city, he meaning Jesus, that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I love that faith right there. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. What a miracle that was. Notice that this verse specifically says that Jesus touched the leper. 
You see, when the man Christ Jesus walked this earth in the flesh, his people were under the law of Moses. Touching a leper would have, under the law, made Jesus unclean. We know, however, that Jesus was God and was drawing humanity away from ceremonial laws into the dispensation of grace. But this behavior was unacceptable in his time. Not just from the law of Moses, but also probably from a hygienic perspective as well, if we're being honest. We also know the story of Jesus visiting the woman at the well who had been married several times and was an outcast to society because of her reputation. On top of that, she was a Samaritan and Jesus was Jewish, which meant that they were not culturally supposed to be around each other. Yet, he reached out to her anyways, went out of his way to reach her. You see, Jesus hung out with people that nobody wanted to be around. These people in our lives may not be the most fun group to hang out with or have the best, best social skills, but I'm telling you that they are some of the most willing people to be churched. Amen. So why is this? It's because if you offer to be their friend and invite them somewhere, they have, been giving an, they have been given an opportunity to be invited somewhere that maybe nobody has ever offered to them. They typically don't just get invited to places, so they'll jump on that opportunity that's being offered to them. Then they'll come to church, and it's a beautiful thing to see is the people of God to give them love that they may have never felt before in their entire life. And of course, of course, once they find that church family that they've never had, they are willing to stay out long-term. I'm telling you, do not rule out somebody that Jesus Christ died for. So why is reaching people personally important to me? It's been important to something for me, uh, to me for a long time. I've always felt a draw towards people. Um, from when I was little, I just always loved being, being around people. Uh, I love, you know, anyone who's willing to talk to me. I love talking to them. Uh, it's, and, and you see, it's easy to develop love for people when you spend time with them. And, uh, and as someone who loves to spend time with people, I found it uh, fairly easy to learn to love a lot of people. And this is a wonderful thing uh, when you love somebody, but it can also be a heartbreaking matter when you're a Christian who is called to share your faith. Because you see, we know that there is a heaven and that there is a hell. We know that salvation only comes through receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost and going down in the waters of baptism in the name of Jesus. And we know that, but that message will not get through to every person that you witness to. In fact, they may not even go through to most of the people that you talk to about God. And it's heartbreaking when you love these people and they promise you, they promise you that they'll come to church. I had a friend one time and he, he was like, he's like, okay, I'm going to come to church and something happened. He's like, I promise I'll come next week. And then, and then it stopped texting me. People will, people will, we have the youth up here, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll ghost you, right? Um, when, and, and it's, you know, in, in the moment when they agree to coming to church, they have good intention. And a lot of times they do want to come to church. But over that period, you know, I'm, listen, I'm telling you, the spiritual realm is a real thing. And, uh, and you know, there are, there are demonic forces and satanic forces. You can chalk it up to just, their, to just their flesh not wanting to come. And some of that may be the case. But there are, there are demonic forces that will come against people that want to come to church in order to prohibit them from coming I've had friends who know that they need to obey the word of God, but decide that it's not worth their time or their effort. When you learn to love people, these heartbreaks are inevitable. 
However, these heartbreaks don't compare to the joy it is that you get when a person that you invited to church, when you see them raise their hands and begin to get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you see these doors come open and then step in the waters of baptism and the remission of sins comes over them, it is the most beautiful thing and it doesn't compare. It doesn't compare to all those other heartbreaks because you know in that moment that you made a difference. So how is it that we reach our world? You may be sitting here wanting to reach people, but don't know how to. Or maybe you've tried, but it just hasn't worked. Imagine the fight against the enemy as a war. Countries are prepared to go to wars before they ever even enter into one. They don't just get into a conflict with another nation and then decide to draft a whole bunch of people at the last second, give them weapons and say, all right, now go get the job done. There's training that gets invested into these soldiers when there is no battle. So that way, when there is, the preparation is already there. As Christians, our preparation comes in the prayer room. I cannot stress this enough. It is great to attend church on Sundays and Wednesdays, but that's not when the, when the devil will wage battle a lot of times. It's on Tuesdays. It's on Fridays. It's on Saturdays. And, it, and, and if you're not prayed up continually, if you're not in prayer every single day, then you're not ready for those potential battles. So you've got to spend time in the word of God. You've got to spend time in personal communion with Jesus if you want to fight these battles. Praying will also prepare our hearts, not only for ourselves, but to recruit other soldiers in the Lord's army. You see, Psalm 51 is a psalm that David wrote. He was repenting of his sin after Nathan the prophet confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. And if you could put that verse of Psalm 51 up, verses 12 and 13, it says, Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, that the bones, uh, sorry, and uphold me with, by your generous spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. We all know what the feeling is like after we've sinned. It's a horrible and gut-wrenching feeling knowing that we've disappointed our king, our creator, our best friend. David felt this, this gut-wrenching feeling. And Psalm 51 is a beautiful prayer of repentance. But he did not simply ask for joy to return to him again so that way he could feel at ease. He knew that reaching people was important. And so he said it. He said it, uh, he wants to be upheld by the generous spirit of the Lord so that way he will teach transgressors his ways and that sinners will be converted to him. We need it to be repentant in our hearts, not just for ourselves, but knowing that every day when we go out, there are thousands of people that we see every day sometimes. And if we are not in repentance, then a lot of times God will not be able to use us. So we know that prayer is important, but what exactly is it that we should pray for when we're focused on witnessing to people? We need to ask God to give us a burden for the lost and for love to be imparted unto us. I remember talking to my dad once, and, uh, and he told me that many young ministers, and he cautioned me about this, he said many young ministers will pray and they will fast and they will cry tears for faith, but they should be initially praying for love before anything else. Paul told us in his letter to Corinth that we can be operational in the gifts of the Spirit all we want, but if we don't have love in our hearts, then it is not worth anything. We must walk in the Spirit and in love and have a hunger to reach the lost so that we can be sensitive enough to reach out to those who are not currently on the Lord's side. Okay, so now you're praying. You're reading your Bible. You're not living in sin. What's next? Now we are prepared for the battle, but we've got to live life outside of the prayer room as a soldier. We're not just a soldier in preparation. We're a soldier out on the field. 
In other words, we have to shine our light of Jesus when we're at the store, when we're at school, when we're at work, while we're driving. Can I get an amen? Everywhere, everywhere, we have to shine the light of Jesus. And it's hard sometimes because, you know, when we're in that prayer room, we know we feel like, you know, we feel like a lion sometimes, just ready to take on the whole world, just to, you know, we're like, Jesus, send me a person in a wheelchair in the middle of Walmart, and I'll go and I'll, you know, start speaking in tongues over them. If you have that faith, that is great. That is great. And it's what, it's what we feel like when we're, uh, when we're praying. But a lot of times we get confronted with those things, and we're like, I don't know if it's the right time for me to do all that. Um, yes, so we, we have to shine our light wherever we go. Sometimes just being a light is all that we need to do in order to make a difference. Sometimes it is. Sometimes we have to do more, but sometimes just shining your light is all that we have to do in order to make a difference. Uh, about, about a year ago, there was, I w- so I work at Longhorn Steakhouse, for those of you that don't know, I'm a server over there, and I was, uh, and I was, just, I was just walking uh, throughout the restaurant, taking care of my tables, and there was a lady sitting in a booth um, by herself, nobody with her. But she was just sitting there in a booth, and I'm, and I'm walking by, and, and she stops me. I hadn't said a word to her, but she just stops me, and she looks at me and goes, are you Pentecostal? And, you know, I'm sure the ladies get that question more often than I do, <laughs> uh, because there, there's not much distinction, you know. I mean, it, there, there might be a little bit more in today's society, but um, <laughs> I got to be careful here, Pastor. <laughs> Family Wednesday. Um, but, uh, yeah, and so, so she stops me and asks, are you Pentecostal? And, and I was taken aback. Um, but, you know, I, I was full of the spirit. I had I'd just gotten off of, you know, a week of being, at, being at, uh, at Missouri Youth Camp. And so I'm like, I'm pumped. I'm like, I'm like, all right, the Lord is working. I'm like, this is good. And, uh, and, 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 and she stops and asks, are you Pentecostal? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, well, how could you tell? And she was like, oh, you just have a certain glow about you. And so, you know, I could have left it at that. But me talking, I, I mean, I wasn't too busy at the time, so I sat down and I, and I began to talk to her. Found out that she had, uh, that, that, she, that she was backslidden. Um, she, hadn't been, she hadn't been to church in a while. But I talked with her and just and encouraged her to come to church, invited her to our church, encouraged her to get back into church. And she was very moved by that experience. And, um, and, and, she, and she went out and never came to our church. But a few months ago, I was, uh, I was just working and uh, working again, slaving away. And, uh, <laughs> and, and another one of the servers uh, came over to me and was like, hey, Luke, this table wants to talk to you. I'm like, okay. And so I go over and I see a lady and I see it's, you know, it's a Pentecostal looking lady. Like, you know, long hair, the skirt, the whole shebang. Uh, <laughs> bobby pins ready to fly out as soon as the shout music starts going. <laughs> Preach. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, and, but, but yeah, so, so, so I walk over to her and, uh, and she's like, she's like, do you remember me? And it took me a minute because again, this was a a drastic difference. Spoiler alert. This was the same lady. Um, (laughs) it was a drastic difference from, from when I had previously seen her. Um, but it took me a minute and I'm like, yes, I do remember. And she said, I just want you to know that after that a month after we had that conversation, I got back into church and I've been attending a Pentecostal church down the road faithfully ever since. A lot of times, we don't even know. We don't even realize. That, that lady may have never come, came back. If I didn't work that shift that night, I may have never known that she got back in church. But sometimes just shining your light and doing something makes more of an impact than you'll ever know. 
It's great when God does give us these kind of situations because they just kind of fall in our lap and we don't really have to do too much. However, there are other times where we've got to do more than just shine a light in our day-to-day lives. Most times, we have to initiate conversation with others about Jesus Christ. So we have that first step of praying, the second step of shining the light of Jesus, and now I move on to the third step of initiating conversation. You see, in high school, I wasn't always where I should have been with God. I was fine with sin, and I was complacent with where I was, um, with how close or rather how far I was from God. However, I knew deep down that I was still supposed to reach people. And see, even, even, in, these, even in these times where I, where I was lukewarm, I would pray for God to use me. And even though I wasn't always where I should have been, he honored those prayers. We serve a God that is merciful and gracious. So there was the first step. I prayed. Then there was a second step. I tried to shine the light of Jesus. I would try to befriend everyone regardless of their popularity status. One of my friends that I got to meet in my time uh, while I was doing theater uh, was someone sitting before you today. I don't know where he is, but it's uh, Deshaun, wherever he is. Deshaun. There, there he is. Deshaun. Absolutely. I, I, got, I, got, I got permission from him, so he can't complain about it later. <laughs> Through my conversations with him and spending time with him, I didn't know that it would lead to something eternally important. You see, I, I, just, I just went through those day-to-days just having conversations with him. But a few months ago, Deshaun friended me on Facebook. I know I'm old, I guess. I, I'm, I, can I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Snap might have been a better thing. But I don't know. Fr- Facebook worked out. Friended me on Facebook and began texting me on uh, Facebook Messenger. I talked to him, and then out of nowhere, I just felt to go to that third step, initiate conversation about God. This time, all I did was just straight up ask him if he wanted to come to church sometime with me, and he agreed. You see, that simple invitation ordained by God led to a man that is sitting over here today, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and baptized in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, asking people to come to church can be difficult sometimes for somebody who's never done it before or isn't one to just go up and strike up a conversation with somebody else. But honestly, if we get out of our heads what the Lord, the worst that could happen, they say no and you move on throughout your day knowing that you did what the Lord requires of you. But I'm telling you, if you do ask a bunch of people if they want to come to church, one of them is eventually going to say yes. So keep doing it. (laughs) A good rule of thumb when inviting people to church is to befriend them before you start directly talking to them about God. I know that might be an unpopular opinion with some, but many people will will write you off if the very first conversation you have with them is telling them about the demon that you saw getting manifested somebody, then, you know... (laughs) It's crazy Pentecostals, right? Now, there may be some times where the Lord may very well direct you to a stranger to, to just talk about God. But in the case of most relationships, it's a good idea to simply start by being someone's friend. Once you have that friendship and trust established, you, pe- you can begin to initiate conversation with people about your faith. One thing that you can do is simply to have the mindset that the next conversation you have with them, you're just going to find a way to talk about God. If you have that mindset, you'll find that there are many, many opportunities to talk about the Lord in just about, excuse me, just about every situation. Maybe you're not quite sure how to work the topic of God into a conversation, though. That's okay. Here's something to, uh, to get the ball rolling, which is something that, that I do uh, probably the most often conversation starter about God. It's just to simply ask them, so, do you go to church anywhere? 
And it, it's, it's a simple question, but it, and, and it's straightforward, but it's going to open up so many doors of conversation to hear about their past, to hear about what's going on in their present. Um, and, you know, sometimes when people say, yeah, they go to church, um, in this case, ask them what their church is like. I've heard a lot of times people will say, it is so boring. And, you know, in this case, you can tell them about what being in a Pentecostal church is like, because it is anything short of boring. <laughs> Usually the thought of upbeat music and fiery preaching is appealing to people when they sit in, you know, a lot of more traditional services. Uh, Some people might say that they enjoy their church. In this case, you got to be careful because you don't want to make them put up a guard by telling them that they go to the wrong church, obviously. (laughs) Usually I tell people that it's awesome that they're going to church uh, because, you know, a pastor says we thank God for the foundation that's already been laid for people. Uh, But then you want to invite them to maybe a special service like Ignite or a midweek service if they don't have one of those. This way they can feel like you aren't trying to force them out of their church and into yours. If somebody says that they don't go to church, they may tell you that they used to go to church but don't anymore. A lot of people will say that. One thing that I hear as to why people don't attend a church anymore is because they feel like they don't need the church and can practice their faith at home just as well as any other Christian. I heard that one recently. In this case, still invite them to church, just be very careful, and ask them to go to dinner afterwards. It'll be up to them to decide, but if they're adamant in their case against going to church, continue to be their friend and simply let your light shine. Another reason that people don't go to church anymore is because somewhere along the line, they experienced church hurt. This is where you first sympathize with them. Tell them that you're sorry that they experienced what they experienced and that the way they were treated was not how Jesus commanded us to treat one another. Then explain that not all Christians treat people in a bad way and that if they were truly following Christ's example, they wouldn't act how they acted. If you've got a story about a church member or a pastor or somebody doing, doing something good for you, you know, it's good to share it here so that way they can kind of let their guard down and see that not everybody is like that. Then invite them to come to service and dinner afterwards. Food is important. Food is important. Uh, if somebody uh, says that they don't come to church, ask them if they'd be willing to. If the answer is yes, or even a maybe, just ask them to attend the next service with you. Um, and, and see, one thing that I found, it's very important to set dates. Because if you just ask somebody, hey, you want to go to church sometime? They'll say, yeah. And they're like, all right, cool. But then it never happens. So you have to set specific dates. You're going to say, okay, listen, on Sunday, I'll come and I'll pick you up. This Sunday, you have to set specific dates. You'd be surprised at how many people who openly live in sin would be willing to come to a service with you if, one, you're kind to them, and two, you simply invite them not only to a church service, but also to have a meal with them. It's important to to have that relationship, that, uh, that word of God in their life, but it's also important to have that fellowship and communion with them. So moving on to how specific groups of people can get involved. Some ways that our children can get involved with reaching people is by doing Bible quizzing. I wish that I did Bible quizzing more than what I did. It is, uh, it's, it's extremely important. It, it is a way to reach people. Because you see, there's sometimes, you know, when your friends at school might be going through a tough situation. And, uh, but, but when you do Bible quizzing, you know, you'll have a verse that comes to your mind that's going to be able to have a big impact on their life, on their situation. Inviting them to family Wednesday night services is also a great idea because these services are geared towards people like you, people of all ages, and you have the opportunity to be a part of ministry just like the adults. People will be more willing to come to church if you're saying, hey, I'm going to be you know, singing on the platform, or I'm going to be preaching today. I, you should come check it out. 
Uh, so it, when, when you kids in school are doing that, uh, when you're up here singing on Family Wednesdays, that's the time when you should be inviting your friends. Youth and hyphen, I'm extremely passionate about this because this is when I started reaching people. You can get involved by starting a P7 club or those that are in college, a CMI. These are Bible study clubs that are geared towards people of middle school through college-age students. You meet once a month during a free period or whatever the case may be, and you just spend about 20 minutes teaching a Bible study. And you don't even have to come up with stuff if you don't want to. There's pre-made curriculum. I used the, the P7 pre-made curriculum as well as a Bible study that pastor gave me. So all you have to do is just be willing to do it and go through miscellaneous setup steps depending on what your school may require. It was through teaching P7 Bible clubs that I was able to have meaning conversations with lost people. And it also encouraged me to study the word of God deeper because, you know, I got questions in those Bible studies that I didn't know how to ask. And so I went and I, you know, I, I found them in the word of God. And so through that, I've been able to work my study deeper. And it is important. I know we hammer those P7 clubs into you so much, but there's a reason we do it. And it's because they are impactful, even if it's reaching one person in your school. Adults in the workforce. Sometimes, you know, you might think that you get a free pass when it comes to witnessing, that it's just, you know, left up, uh, left to the children and to the youth, but you are called to be witnesses just as much as high school kids are. Those practical steps that I talked about for inviting people to church are things that I have used in my place of work. You can invite a group of coworkers to go out on your lunch break to just talk about the word of God. You know, you take a half hour to discuss some biblical principles and passages and then take the rest of your time to get to know your coworkers better. I cannot stress enough how important, how important personal relationships are to someone who desires to obey the Great Commission. Getting someone to church is not the final step, though. When somebody does come to church, you need to connect them to get a Bible study and continue to have a good relationship with them. Getting them connected to not only yourself is important, but with the church family as well. We can have a whole bunch of first-time guests, but if our retention levels are low, then we're not doing something right. Switching gears a little bit, I was in a conversation with someone recently, and he mentioned that our church needs to be prepared to reach the people of Kansas City. He explained that our church has the prophetic word that we are not just to be confined to the city of Liberty. And we've heard this on multiple occasions. We are to reach all of those around us. He said that we will not be able to do this, though, until we can learn to be prepared for people coming into our church that do not look or talk like us. As many of you know, not all of the Kansas City area people look like the people of Liberty. Much of Kansas City consists of single parent families and those below the poverty line. Much of Kansas City is not white or consider themselves to be heterosexual. As we progress to become the church of wherever God wants us, we have to be willing to learn about different cultures and tailor our approach to those that we may not able to have a lot of experience with. If you take nothing out of this message except for that, that is what you need to know. We must be willing to reach people that do not look like us. Right now, I'm at a UMKC college here in Kansas City, and I'm, I'm in a marketing class right now. And a quote that the professor presented to us on the first day of class was said by a, a, a well-famed uh, marketer named Peter Drucker. The quote was, the aim of marketing is to know and understand customers so well the product or service fits them and sells itself. As the people of God, I often like to see ourselves as marketers for the kingdom. If we think of it like a business, you know, God is the CEO and we're the people, we're the sales team, we're the marketing team, the advertisement team. We're trying to get the word out about who he is. 
But any good marketer knows that not everybody responds the same. We have to know that reaching people is not a one-size-fits-all approach. We have to know uh, that we have to know people so that we can connect to them on a deeper level and offer the hope of God that we have experienced for ourselves. But how do we do that? The same things I've been talking about. We've got to spend time with them and realize that all of humanity, all of humanity, somebody say all. All of humanity has value in the eyes of God, no matter what color they are, what kind of household they live in, or what they identify as. One thing that's personally uh, difficult for me sometimes that I've come across while, while witnessing to people, and something that I caution all of you as, uh, as you disciple people, is measuring new converts by your standards of how you measure yourself and your relationship with God. You see, we're all at different stages of our walk with God. You know, the Bible talks about giving, you know, you can't just give a baby like, you know, a full, full steak, right? Like, uh, you know, you, know you, can't, you can't do that. And in, in, in that metaphorical sense, we can't give new converts, you know, super deep theological studies, you know, about like Zion theology, which I'm not even sure what most of that is, if I'm being honest. Um, but, uh, we, you know, we, we, we can't give them these deep things. We got to start small and then work our way in. If they, you know, they, they may do something that's, you know, that's, that's, that's not good, but they might have the right intention and they might be very well trying to do what it is that God's called them to do. You see, we're all at different stages in our walk with God. Some are veterans in this serving God for decades. Some have been doing it for years. Some have just started. As pastor said numerous times, it's more important about what direction someone is facing than how long they have been in church. Someone can be a license-holding minister with the UPCI, but if they let that go to their head and think for some reason that they've earned their salvation, then they are not as important in the eyes of God as a sinner who walks in here and kneels at this altar and repents of their sins with a humble heart for the very first time. We must gently correct people in love who are new to this. We can't assume that new people have a wealth of knowledge about God's word. Many times what a convert is doing may be wrong, but they're having that right intention. Again, discipling people is not a one-size-fits-all approach. Just because a situation doesn't fall into your lap does not mean that it's not God's will for you to reach a specific person. A lot of, things will, a lot of times we'll pray for that. Oh, God, if it's your will for me to reach this person, and let them come up with tears in their eyes and asking them how they can repent of their sins, which doesn't always happen. A quote that I heard recently that I love to use is that God can't steer a parked car. This means that God's not able to guide us if we're not putting our foot on the gas. You know, and if we move ourselves, then God is going to steer us in the right direction. Most of the time, we've simply got to swallow our pride and just talk to someone about God. Now, you might be here saying, okay, okay, Luke, but what about the people who don't respond positively? To that, I ask, who are you trying to please? Who cares if they respond negatively? It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about pleasing God and obeying the Great Commission no matter what the outcome is. At the end of the day, you have planted a seed. Like Pastor Gavin talked about last week, some people receive the word of God with open arms. They'll run to it and they won't ever turn back. Others will get consumed by the things of life and turn away. Others will hear the truth preached and it will leave as quickly as it came. But that's okay because it's not our job to change people's hearts. That's God's job. Our duty is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ so that way the Lord can do what he is that he wants to do. If someone is weighing your spirit down 
and not accepting your witness to them. It's okay to give that person to God and spend your efforts on people who are going to be more willing to receive the truth. I've had to do this uh, on, on a couple of occasions. Somebody uh, might just be weighing me down. I go round and round in circles with them, and, and eventually it's just you, you have to release them to God, and, the, and there will be peace that washes over you. Because if you're spending all of your time you know, trying to hammer in the truth to somebody who's already heard it but just won't accept it. There's somebody else out there who's willing to receive it. But right now, but what you're doing there, that, that, you know, that, that's the devil trying to keep you in that situation, in that bondage, so that way you won't reach the person over there. You're not a horrible person for ceasing a large portion of your efforts on them. You're simply giving God the opportunity to get into the life of more people who will actually receive him. This time we can all stand and the musicians can come. When the resurrected Jesus Christ gave the great commission, him and his disciples were on top of the very mountain where Jesus had been tempted by Satan. Jesus took this spot where the enemy tried to lead him away into the place where he would, uh, sorry, Jesus, uh, he, he took this spot where the enemy tried to tempt him and he, and he made it the place where he would send out his disciples to reach the entire world. Many times we are tempted by Satan to not invite someone to church because we're afraid of what they're going to say. We listen to the lies of the enemy instead of the voice of God Almighty. I'm here to tell you today that your mountain of temptation can be turned into your mountain of commission. You see, I, uh, I, I have Tourette's syndrome. It's, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a condition where uh, I'm, uh, basically I, I make unwanted moves or, or sounds, movements or sounds. And, and this was a struggle for me in high school uh, because, you know, high schoolers can be ruthless. I came in, you know, as like a four foot five freshman, um, skinnier than what I am now. And, uh, and, and, and you know, I had, I had Tourette's. And so, and it was really bad because when you get anxious, uh, tics, which, which is what those, these movements are called, they, they would get worse. And, and, and so I, I, felt, I felt unaccepted. I, you know, people would make fun of me. They would tease me for it. Uh, but one time I remember going going to a to a theater rehearsal I did theater as I mentioned earlier and um and and and, and one of the one of the girls in the troupe had noticed it and and she asked me she was like do you have Tourette's and uh and you know I stood there I was you know I I had been asked this question before but I really didn't want to admit it I was ashamed of it and 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 I reluctantly I was like yes yes I have I have Tourette's and, and, and as she saw that reluctance come over my face, though, she looked at me and she said, no, 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 it's okay. He has it too. And, uh, and, and, and you know, from then, you know, I, I felt accepted by this group, right? And, and, and it's, just, it's just crazy to think. I mean, that turned my whole high school trajectory around into how I viewed myself. And if a group of people who aren't spirit-filled can do this, I can only imagine what a group of, what, 100 people in the church that are spirit-filled believers, I can only imagine what they can do with the spirit of God Almighty and the willingness to reach somebody that might just be a little bit different than them. You see, you can light your school on fire. You can light your workplace on fire. We can and we will light the city of Kansas City on fire. 
but it will not come without us taking action. It will not just fall into our laps. We as apostolics believe that obeying God is more than just verbal confession. We believe that based on the word of God, that those who have true faith and belief in God will act on it. Faith without works is dead, and we know this. If we are serious about the prophecies that have been spoken to our church, we have got to start actively reaching the lost. We gotta pray for God to lead us to the right people. We've gotta pray for love, and we must obey the Lord. And do not stop after one person. Please, for the sake of everybody else that you know, do not stop after one person. Do not feel content. If you are serious about taking this message and applying it to your life, you won't allow yourself to be content until the whole world is reached, until we are called home. We've got to, have, we've got to labor hard and with a sense of urgency until that day when Jesus calls us to home. Just like that message that Pastor Gavin's taught last Wednesday, this is not a message where your response is dependent on this altar call alone. This is a message where God is challenging you. He's challenging me and he's challenging this church as a whole to take the gospel message to our communities and beyond. There have been prophecies placed on this church, but they will not come to pass until we are ready to do away with our pride and reach the lost and allow God to use us in whatever way he wants us to. I want to see those prophecies come to pass. Pastor wants to see those prophecies come to pass. And I'm sure you do too. And one person may win a couple of souls, but just imagine what would happen if all of us invited more people to church. The prophecies over this church are conditional prophecies. They are dependent on you getting out into the world and reaching people. God is ready to move. He is not waiting any longer. He is ready to move in this church. He is only waiting for us to stop being complacent with where we're at and take action. If you're going to take this message seriously to your heart, I'd like to invite you to find a place to pray right now. Do not be content with this altar call. Pray that God would use you in your life to reach those you've never even considered witnessing to. Obey the Great Commission. Yeah. Uh -huh.